Welcome to the Futuristic Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about all of the emerging technologies that are going to shape our lives forever. And this is episode 14. We're recording this on Friday, the 6th of October, 2023. Got to put a timestamp on it because in the next 24 hours, everything could change as it does so (laughs) often. Stories that seem really relevant one day are outdated the next. With me, as always, uh, coming from Melbourne, is my co-host, Tits McGee, also known as Steve Sammartino. That's an Anchorman joke. I watched Anchorman last night again. And also coming to us from Sydney, our own. We all know this guy. Uh, I don't know. I can't even remember how long you and I have known each other or where we first met Peter. Peter Zing, coming from Sydney. How are you, Peter? Hey, I'm really good. We just had our meetup uh, over at Stern and Chalk last night. We're just saying to Steve, it was like five years ago that we met at TEDx Melbourne and he was talking about the pizza stuff and the pizza and beers is still what's powering civilization, mate. It's still going. Oh, you got to know the ingredients. You know, I've got a a theory on, um, if you want to know which industry to work in as a a youngster, Mm. just look at where you can get free pizza and beer in that city. And that's the industry to work in. Right, because it's, that's where that's where money is flowing to, right? It's where it. they think tomorrow is going to be better, and they want to get the youth involved. So that's what you look to. Forget that's about the it. Wall Street Journal. Forget about the anything else. Where is that free pizza and beer? That's the industry that money is flowing to. Here's some <laughs> advice. <laughs> Write it down. The future is yours. Yeah, free Plastics. advice, free beer, and free pizza. Plastics. That. Plastics. That's Steve's career advice. Now. um, I don't, I honestly have no idea how long Peter and I have known each other or where we first came across each other, but it feels yes. like it's been forever. Um, for people who don't know Peter, according to his LinkedIn page, assuming this is up to date, yeah, right. he's building the transhuman network state, trans, yeah. transhumanism Australia, transhuman coin, singularity, you, wavia former emerging tech director of KPMG and Deloitte and uh, just many, many other things on his bio there. Give us, give us your, your elevator pitch uh, bio. How would you introduce yourself at a conference in an elevator, Pete? Jeez. I'm trying to be, we just had a talk around uh, mushrooms and myceliums last night. And we want to be the mycelium for transhumanism, right? Like we want to have all the connectors underneath the earth, bridging it you know you don't quite see it but you see the mushrooms but now in the physical locations all around the world so yeah this network state concept comes from uh balaji from cto coinbase uh you know he's been talking about how to use you know, web 3.0 you know cryptocurrencies now you don't need governments to do anything for you people places laws that you create through this new web decentralized autonomous organizations right ai's power on the earth you can make things happen through the power of will of individuals coming together. And wow. so for transhumanism, we want to use science and technology to accelerate all of this. It's happening for humanity, whether it's in our healthy longevity, our super intelligence around how do we actually keep up with the AIs, right? They're, they're going to take all our jobs, or so we might as well try to merge with them eventually okay. to, to stay relevant. Um, then also keeping well, right? Mentally, physiologically, but keeping together as a society to make sure that we still feel part of this sort of human before all of it goes to tits up into the future, right? Tits McGee tits up. That's what we've achieved. Tits McGee. They're relatives. 
<laughs> They're related. I, I love that idea of merging because the technology is us. And I just have always thought that we're evolving outside of our bodies. We've figured out a way to do that because the world was changing too quick and mm. that'll eventually enter our body. So I feel like this, you know, transhumanism where we're in a transition stage and, and yeah. you know, when you say merge with it, that there's something wonderful about that. Of course, things are moving quicker than they ever have, you know, since our yeah. species, things used to move a lot slower. But I feel yeah. like merging is far better than competing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's Roman Empire well, ethic, is it, Cam? That's yeah. pretty much. Just, just be part of it, right? You can't fight it. I mean, uh, we're already, we adapt so quickly now. We're adapting faster than ever before. Like smartphones, that was like more than a decade ago. 15 years, the iPhone 15. And so now we've got, you know, this AI agents, chat GPT. We've, we've adapted to it. People are just having that as their homepage now, no matter when they ever start writing. It just like auto-populates. So we're going to get really used to this technology, but it still takes a lot of people to understand and, and adopt it in the first place, just, just to get access, right? If, you, if you're out and miss out for like six months, that's your competitive advantage. And with all the devices, all the AI agents that are coming online, I think we're going to get to the point where um, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Um, so yeah, this is, this is for us to get across every individual out there. Um, and for startup founders as well. So uh, we're running an incubator over at Stern and Chalk. Uh, this is the part of the city startup pub. And they're in Melbourne and Adelaide as well. So we'll be building out this network state of startups that are building our transhuman future. Um, we've got accelerator programs coming up on the end of this month, uh, right at the University of Technology in Sydney. And uh, we're having an investment community so that we can raise the right funding for that impact that we want to fund for this feature as well. Anyone listening to this, Peter, who wants to get in on all of that stuff you just said, what's the best way? Should they go to connect with you on LinkedIn or find you on Twitter or what? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter or check out transhumanism.com.au. And um, this is how you can sign up to our meetups. We have them fortnightly. Um, the pizza and beers are amazing. We're sponsored by the, the great guys over in Avalon, Cran uh, Scott's Pizza and Cafe and uh, also Avalon Breweries. They make the best pale ales and also the kombuchas if you prefer not to have alcohol in your diet for the longevity side. But also, you know, like we'll say, Zevo, like pizza and beers is what civilization happen, makes civilization happen. And <laughs> you just need that gathering. And to your advice point to the younger generation, you know, before the robots take over the world, I think tradies are still going to be like the ultimate kill set it's still going to be challenging mm, yeah. until the tesla optimus comes online with the right sort of fidelity and agility and dexterity in their hand mm. um but yeah i think it's going to be an interesting way for us to reconnect and and understand what's coming yeah wow well you know you've been on the cutting edge of this stuff for a long time peter i mean I, i've been around the transhumanist movement for uh, 25 years on the fringes of it um and the singularity stuff for the same amount of time but you actually have you know, throwing everything behind this. I was doing podcasts about this stuff 20 years ago, but you've, you know, you've built a career out of this. I, I, I've i been thinking about you. I would see you pop up on the socials over the last, you know, eight or nine months. I've been thinking, wow, Peter must be going, yep. <laughs> I've just, this is it. <laughs> oh, the, I love it when a plan comes together kind of thing. You've been working on this stuff for a long time, talking about it. And like mm. you, what's the last, 12 months been like for you with all of this stuff starting to come to fruition? 
Yeah. I mean, it feels so good, eh? You're like, you've been talking about all your life. You're like, like crazy guy shouting in the mountains <laughs> and then finally all the texts go, oh, okay, now I know what he's talking about. Mm. But it's, uh, it's been, I think over the last nine years or so, we've been running, you know, meetups at pubs, just, just small groups, gatherings, like who else is thinking like this? Me, I took like a near death experience uh, for it to really trigger down a singularity rabbit hole. You know, the Ray Kurzweil stuff, but he reckons by the end of the decade, we're going to have human level AI. And so people are actually starting to come around this whole AGI concept that Ben Goetzel coined, who's also transhumanist over there yeah, at yeah. Singularity Net. And so, you know, this stuff has actually become more and more mainstream. It's past the or- Orbiton window and people are actually going, oh shit, there's actually a pretty good prediction on the sports bets equivalent of AGI that's going to happen by the end of the decade. So, you know, it's, it's great to have that validation and you're seeing a lot more people out in the communities uh, joining and getting interest and understanding what does this mean for not only ourselves, our jobs, our societies, um, but also what does the future of humanity look like? And so we're actually going to be building this together. Now we've got people that can leave their corporate jobs. I left my corporate job, what, uh, six months ago to do this, like just full time. I was doing it internally, trying to spruik it up the whole singularity at Deloitte and singularity at KPMG. Um, but now we can actually just pursue that singularity full time and get the other founders to start building themselves. Just on the, the singularity thing, Cam and I have discussed it a lot real quickly. Mm. I guess there's, there's two parts of this equation and people's thoughts vary. I'd like to get your view on this. I mean, the first one is, and it's one of our stories today is when does human intelligence get surpassed by machines or AI, but then there's the, the, the biggest singularity idea, which is like the moment that all bets are off because we've never uh, been here before. And it's the black hole of technology exponentially yeah. improving upon itself in, you know, infinite time, just doubling and doubling. Where do you land on that? Because at the moment, there's a lot of talk about, well, is it 2027 or 2030 when we're surpassed and that's going to happen. There's, there's nothing clearer. But yeah. is that also the moment of the singularity because it doubles on itself once it gets beyond us? Are they the same yeah. moment for you? Because I think Kurzweil said 2027 was the moment mm. that he had for uh, surpassing human intelligence. And he had 2045, I think, is his singularity moments. Uh, and and, and I'm not purporting down, to yeah. know exactly which of those two things and where the overlap is, but we'd love to get your view. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like as soon as you have human level AI... And that's self-recursive. You could actually pretty much just have that intelligent explosion, right? There's nothing mm. stopping it from continuing to replicate, create their own data centers, and just add more energy to the mix. And I think Kerswell's revised it down to 2039 for oh, singularity okay, cool. as well. Yep. But you know, even that is just you know finger in the air. It's so hard to predict with exponentials, even with the sort of the numbers that he's got backing up all his predictions on the level of computation because of the law of accelerating returns. Yep. So just like Moore's law. Um, but basically what he's saying is that, well, 2045 was when he measured that, yeah, you know, AI is going to have more intelligence than the collective uh, intelligence of all of humans combined. Yeah. And so that's where he put that as a sort of finger in the air. But now that he knows that, say, 2029 or 2027, like you say, might be actually the point where you know, it could do anything that a human can and have the, without the limitations of humans, of our you know, limited energy consumption, our brain capacities, and just have multiple instances of itself. Um, that's going to be the most important part. And I think it might just have that fast takeoff after that point. There are some proponents like George Hotz and, you know, you've got the likes of Jan LeCun 
who are a little bit more sort of sensible on the computational limitations of how these AIs can accelerate. So, you know, right now they're looking at, say, a human being might be, say, 20 petaflops. And for a computer to get that level of efficiency, it's going to take a quite a few, you know, engineering finesses, whether it's at the nanotech level. Um, so we're not quite there in understanding how it actually get there. I'm sure the AIs will figure it out, but that's the limitation. And so, you know, the likes of Yudkowsky, right, who's the AI doomer, he says there's going to be a fast takeoff. He calls it foom, so fast doom. And so these doomers think that as soon as you could have something that switches on and becomes self-recursive, it'll just become the super intelligent thing. And humans might not be relevant in their equation, just like a human might not be, you know, keen on understanding when an anthill does. It just needs to build a freeway. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's some computational limitations that make from a practical perspective um, prevent that fast doom takeoff. I, I always um, thought that the computational limitations or the, let's call them even the physical limitations and energy limitations would be overcome by an intelligence that is vastly outsurpassing humans because it'll find some sort of curve jump and that's what i always yeah. liked about kurzweil's look at moore's law beyond uh mm. silicon chips how he goes all the way back to punch cards and even before that yeah. that part yeah. of the computation requirements get overcome by a new technology where the old technology right. invents a new technology yeah, paradigm shifts, you know, it's yeah. not just limited to silicon, right? Then the next yeah. one could be graphene, quantum computing. Yeah. And so the thing is with, um, yeah, and it's, it's still bound by physics. So potentially, you know, the AIs come up with actual new physics that actually connects general relativity with quantum mechanics. You know, the Stephen Wolfram working on the physics project based on the Rouliad. So there's all sorts of stuff that humans are still limited in our understanding of how we, how much we can push the limits of our physical reality, right? Um, mm. And then we can bring about this whole simulation theory around, okay, well, once it has figured it all out, it'll just create its own simulations around trying to understand how to create better intelligence within that simulation. Wow. But still, that's that's sort of where all this um, this theory is at. But one of the things that um, we can practically do to ensure that, you know, for us to have a I don't know, safer future, a way to actually do something about it. I think is it is what Jan LeCun's been saying is that we should open source as much as we can the technology. So we could we should push for open source AI, like what Llama's Llama two and Llama three coming up from Meta is going to be like. The irony is that Facebook Zuckerberg is the one open sourcing the tech, and this whole time you know they've been now. like <laughs> being pushed to the ground. Yeah, for now whatever they can. Really closes it down Meta once he gets what it wants. <laughs> yeah, once it gets what it wants. Yeah, Llama three could just be like ChatGPT, right? Um, but yet pushing for open source and also not on the software side, but the hardware. So that's where George Hotz has come in. He's built this open source platform called TinyGrad. Um, so what he was working on before, jailbreaking the iPhone, jailbreaking the PS3 with Comet AI open sourcing uh, self-driving cars with OpenPilot. Yep. Now he's taking that tech to TinyGrad and these tiny boxes, which can, you can pretty much put together six of these AMD 7900 XTXs with 24 gigabytes of VRAM each stacked together in a box running TidyGrad, the open source software that's competing against NVIDIA's CUDA platform. So that you can actually stop this bottleneck of NVIDIA having this monopoly over machine learning frameworks and making that available to any GPU, not just NVIDIA's. So the H100s from NVIDIA that are costing 600 US can be now competed against the $16,000 open source tiny box that you can buy. And that way we can actually start to have our own AIs that are aligned to ourselves, like an extension of ourselves, almost like our smartphones are an extension of our limbs. 
and fine tune it in a way that we want it to be almost like a lawyer attorney uh, you know a power of attorney of an ai agent that is like the arnold schwarzenegger in terminator 2 for all of us like we you should just, all be john connors of our future right you've just skipped wow. ahead to our last segment the future is yeah. forecast where i talk about that but Couple of things before we before we keep going. One, I've sent you a link to our show notes. It's in the chat. Oh yes. So yes. you'll be able to see all the it's stories good. that we have to talk about. Oh, love it. Secondly, love when it. you mentioned Ben Gertzel before, I went and looked up my interview with him from May two thousand and seven. Wow. My interview. Oh wow. It's G'day World number two hundred and thirty four. Artificial intelligence with Dr. Ben Gertzel, PhD, May third, mm-hmm. two thousand and seven. We were talking about his company, Nova Mente's approach to artificial general intelligence and their plans to release some of their early products into the second life universe. Wow. I was I was like, second like life. I was just talking about second life with one of my older boys the other day, how 20, <laughs> well, not tw- quite 20 years ago, but 2007, that was sort of the, <laughs> it was the thing. I went on it for a while. Thing. I really enjoyed it. I met some people on there. It was kind of interesting. Then it got really weird and sexual. It was, it had all, this, <laughs> yeah. it got all sure. super weird. But in the early the days at, when you were right? flying around and companies were, you know, building hotels in there, it was like, it was real early yeah. doors. And when the metaverse came out, I'm like, Hey guys, this is some revisionist stuff. It would have been here before as well. Yeah. Um, you sell us some Linden coins, right? Bloody yeah. Hell. It was cool. They had Linden dollars. It was Linden dollars. Linden, Linden labs. <laughs> yeah. Linden and labs. is it still around second life? It was it's the last around. time I it's still around. It's still around. They literally had another meetup there uh, a few months ago with the transhumanists. Yeah. They were wow. just like, look, we've, we've been in the metaverse. <laughs> we still got people that are still living here. They've been here. <laughs> 10 right. years. Yeah. Well, why don't we get into some of these things? Because Peter, you're going to have some really, they, they, actually, so many of them overlap your stuff this week. So it's great. Yeah, let's get into it. Well, the the way we normally start, Pete, um, is with one thing of note that we did in the last week that revolves around this technology. And um, one of the things that I've struggled with over the last couple of months, I've been talking about, is getting ChatGPT to write podcast notes for my history shows. And there was a while a few months ago when it was working really well. I could give it a couple of pages or a chapter of a book and ask it to write, rewrite it as bullet point notes for my podcast. I, I'm doing a show at the moment in my Cold War series about the overthrow of the Iranian government in 1953. I could read a chapter of a book and instead of having to write my own notes, I could read it, just give it to GPT and say, write this. And it used to do a good job. And then when they nerfed it, 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 stopped being able to do that it would just sort of cut a whole bunch it would take a chapter of a book and like condense it down to five bullet points and i was like no 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 no. and i went i spent ages trying to fix it and was getting nowhere and this week i finally managed to fix it somehow and i was wanting to explain to people how i did it in case anyone else is struggling with a similar problem what i did this week was I read the first couple of paragraphs of a chapter, wrote my own notes on those paragraphs. Then I gave GPT the original paragraphs and my notes and said, based on that, now write similar notes in a similar sort of style for this chapter of the book. And it did a pretty good job. It still missed out a few what I thought were salient points that I had to go back and fill in. But it meant that instead of me having to write, you know, three pages of notes, I had to just, you know, fill bits in here and there. It saved me a lot of time. So that was a big relief. It it it, it was uh, figuring out the right kind of prompt, I guess, to get it to 
do what I've been trying to get it to do again for the last couple of months. So that was my my big win for this week. Steve, have you had a big win this week? I haven't had a win, but uh, an idea that I'm hoping becomes a win. So my next viral project, and I've done a few sort of quirky projects, which you know have had lots of views around the world. The Lego car was the biggest one. Um, what I want to do is build the world's first house entirely by AI, and I call it Project C5. So it's going to be command to concept to CAD to code to construction. Um, so the startup I'm working on now is 3D printing construction where we print houses. We've already done our first building since we launched in Jan. And we're going to do this and we're going to look for a corporate partner. See, look what I'm doing. I'm getting with the corporates. Can't help myself. And always need their dollars. <laughs> that's, the, that's the sixth thing. Corporate. Yeah, corporate. Corporate. <laughs> there corporate. you go. Flip love that. C6 and corporate dollars shilling for corporations. The and then when you work out their cunts, it's the seventh. <laughs> wow. you have to, you have to and there goes the PG rating. Just like yeah, that. <laughs> Not appropriate for children as we load it up onto YouTube. Um, because an AI, of course, will hear that C bag word. So Project C7 is That's hammers. eight Cs. That's eight Cs with the children at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the idea there is to get, you know, a million dollars off a big company that, you know, banking, construction, telco, something like that. They spend up to two million on their terrible ads that no one wants to see, you know, with robots chasing houses or whatever. It's like actually do something good and get behind this and you can turn it into content. And we're going to use that as a bridging funding round because uh, we're trying to get funding right now. We're looking for 5 million, which as soon as you're doing anything that goes beyond software and touches the physical world, I mean, you would have seen this a little bit yourself uh, with, with, with your work. Uh, it gets harder, right? And um, so that's that's what I'm working on at the moment and really strong interest. As soon as you're doing something interesting that's a bit different, just throw the word AI into any project, of course. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. and bam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let us know. I mean, yeah, with the investment trade. community, we're all about the impact side well, of things. Well, this is anyway, crazy. So. I mean, our whole thing is we want to do affordable houses and, and we've already proven our tech, so we've already got yeah. revenue. So it's just a matter of, all right, Tyson, there you so, go, Pete. We're, we're, we're on now. We're on. We're Just on. Added because, to my um, pitch list of people. Yeah, yeah. It adds, it, it connects so well. Yeah. Do you have a thing of note that you, a bit like a, a win that you had this week involving tech, new tech? Yeah. yeah. It connects so well. So it was the saying with Steve, um, we just got back from Africa and we were just standing out our transhuman network state in Nigeria, in Abuja, which is their capital city. Um, yeah, culture shock for me, first time there, but the people are just so entrepreneurial. 70% of the population on the 30 super connected infrastructures. They've got the internet, smartphones, Web3 adoption. So, you know, for us, it's almost like a, a perfect place where a lot of our coin holders are there in, in Nigeria. And uh, for us to stand up and be physically there to hold the Evolve conference, um, it's going to be something that is going to be super amazing. We've got the government support. 75 acres of land allocated for this new innovation center in Abia State. Um, this is this is going to be where we can actually have those mushrooms blown, blooming from, you know, all the way on the other side of the world. But to ha give access to people that, you know, have such a need and want, desire to be part of this global economy, you know, but because the opportunities are just not heard of over there, um, well, that, that they've been yeah sitting in the dark. I've just been reading, and there's another note I had to talk about in our deep dive later on. I've been reading Neil Gershenfeld's book, Designing Reality, from 2016. 
where he talks mm. about the fab labs that he's been building around the world, fabrication labs. And he talks a lot in that book about Nigeria and Africa, countries like that, where they've been building yeah. fab labs. And he talks a lot about the the implications of people in developing countries having the facilities locally to be able to build and construct anything that they need without having to rely on the global supply chain issues, yeah. just to be able to have an idea and build it. And he's talking about the entrepreneurship and all of the yeah. excitement in these developing countries for Fab Labs. So it sounds like you got yeah. a firsthand glimpse of that. That's fantastic. Yeah, these free zones and the construction. It's like I think real estate is really booming over there. I mean, the hotel chains have already sort of you know been encompassing the entire country all through a while, but only now with the government support and also the tourism coming back in, like it's just exploding in potential. And so you know, Steve, with with some of the things that you guys are working in the construction side, um, let us know there'll be places where you know likes of Nigeria. Um, we've got a free zone in Aruba that we're standing up as well. So, you know, it's a nice sort of yeah, Dutch-friendly um... location on the Euro side, uh, but also close in proximity to the Americas and the time zone as well. So it's just the perfect location where we can actually build vertically to make the most of that, you know, island that's a sort of pretty awesome stuff, place to just At humans. least gives you an idea of what we're doing. Yeah, awesome. Let's get into tech news for the week. Uh, the big one for me, guys, I don't know about you, is this new version of ChatGPT that I haven't got. I keep checking my app every five minutes. One of my sons has had it for a few days, and that's pissed me off enormously. And I, he's got it, and I haven't had it. But for people who haven't seen this, haven't heard about it, the new version that's rolling out has voice and vision. People are calling it ChatGPT-V in Reddit for vision. Basically, you can already talk to ChatGPT on your phone or your iPad. It will, it can now talk back to you. And it blew my mind, the first demo I saw of this, because we're, we're, you know, we're used to Siri, which sounds kind of human, but is very sort of stilted. And the voice that is coming out of ChatGPT based on their Whisper uh, text-to-speech engine, I believe, is yeah. amazing. Like, it sounds like a real person. The intonation, the inflection, it will go, um, yeah, that's a good question. It'll put an R or an um in there. It sounds superhuman realistic. And it just makes me laugh now because... Since this news broke uh, like a, a week ago, I've been playing some computer games like uh, Starfield, the new one on Xbox, where there's an so, yeah. AI robot following you around. And the way that, and it's like set in, you know, 100 years into the future, it's the, the AI voice on the robot sounds clunkier than the chat GPT <laughs> voice that's available in 2023 October. It has to, can. Up until now, it had to because unless it didn't, unless if it sounded like a human, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because exactly. you wouldn't believe it, right? Believe but it. Now, exactly. Yeah. But now you've you, got now you just if you have Westworld, you can just have Westworld. Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it's just like it's the same way now that you know you watch movies from you know, sci-fi movies from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and their depiction of of 
uh, you know, technology in the distant future isn't even as advanced as what we have now, like Star Wars with their navigation trackers and it's all, you know, blocky green screens and there's no touch screen stuff happening and there are still keyboards in Alien on, on, on the spaceship and flashing <laughs> yeah. lights. We look at it now, we go, wow, they really got that wrong. Uh, you know, the, the now it's going to happen with C-3PO and R2-D2 and HAL <laughs> 9000, like the voices on all of the computers, uh, the, the AIs that we've seen in science fiction are going to, as of this month, are just going to appear ridiculous to, you know, future generations growing up and watching these things. And they go, really? That's, that's what they thought computers were going to sound Ooh. like? It's a joke. It's two things. I mean, the, the first one is, is that now that it's human, everything from now on changes in every mover and every, every pop culture element. It just sounds purely human. Two things on this. And another one that I find interesting is that human frailty and nuance is really, really important to us. And we, when we build technology, we want to build in some of our flaws with it just to create that comfort level and adoption. I guess it's a form of, you know, skeuomorphism that we had with the graphical user interface. And Cam uh, coined the phrase, you know, we went from the GUI to the Louis. Now we've got the language user interface, which is <laughs> to brilliant. To be fair, from I Pam. didn't coin that. I borrowed Anyway, I'm, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, you did. Yeah, right. I'll right? take it. Great yeah, artists yeah. Sure. and all that. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> and we want that, we, that there's a skeuomorphism there that is required, which is human frailty and imperfection in our voice and our communications. But it raises to me, I think, the number one AI law that we should pass. And it's really hard to pass any AI laws. For me, it's like uh, the simple law is we need to know if something is a robot, just that. Is this AI yeah. or is this real? That's the first, I think, fundamental law just to know. And only if you have that, can you really have Asimov's five laws after Real? That. Yeah, you're saying mm. that robots aren't real? Well, that's, that's, we, I don't think we've got time for that, Cam. I mean, it's a great question yeah, and we semantics. could go for two hours on that. Let's, let's, let's not get into the semantics, all right? Yeah, yeah. Well, before we move <laughs> on too far, the other aspect of the new ChatGPT version that's rolling out is the vision. This is where you can take a photo of something straight into GPT and it'll tell you what it is or it'll give you tips on it. Now, obviously, these things are, are going to be flawed in the beginning when they're rolling out, so we shouldn't expect too much. But the demos that we've seen are pretty impressive. People taking a photo of their fridge and it saying, give me a recipe based on the ingredients. A woman taking a photo of her bike and saying something's broken. And my bike's it. not working. And it'll tell you, oh, it'll spot what's wrong and where to fix it. And then she zooms in and says, is this the part? And it goes, no, that's not the part. It's to the right of that part. You know, just being able to interface with GPT using photography and images rather than having to, to talk to it or type in text. Again, this is like killer, mind-blowing stuff that I didn't expect to see for another year. And I believe they're rolling this out now to get the, uh, get a heads, uh, a heads to get a, a, the jump on Google's Gemini, which is supposed to be coming out soon. Gemini is apparently going to have this sort of, these sort of features as well. And open AI trying to beat them to the punch. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? You know, what has this news meant to you this week? Were you as excited and giddy about it as I am? <laughs> They'd already shown us some of this yeah. before, about a few months ago before At they the sort of released mm. it. And I subscribed to it and I haven't been given access yet either. Two I've things I thought. Now, yeah. I thought it was convenient that they did it for the raise and I thought that helped them raise the capital that they got recently. But it did uh, ensconce further my thought that 
Google could potentially be disrupted and not be the biggest search engine. Just think about that bicycle one, the idea that you go to YouTube to get instruction and you hope that they have, and I'm about to do it with a new dishwasher where I'm going to type <laughs> in and say, oh, have you got a video of how, because I have to put salt in it or something ridiculous. Anyway, so I'm going to go into YouTube this weekend and get an instruction on how to do it. But I have to hope that it's there and that someone filmed it. I mean, think about the implications on something like YouTube or mm. some of the other Google properties. For me, this is a real moment where I say, I, pr I promise you, you know, no tech company is infallible. And it goes back to your point on the importance of open source um, with, with anything and anyone, Peter. Yeah, definitely. They're going to have to come up with their own device, like their own phones, their own ex glasses. Um, because what, what's happening now is all the big tech companies are going to start shutting them out other than Microsoft. So Meta, obviously, with smart glasses. And Microsoft doesn't create... have hardware, except for the Xbox. Microsoft, yeah. No, right. The walk Zoom around with was... an Xbox in the, the pocket. The Zoom would have been nice. Yeah, yeah Xbox. Xbox. The, po the pocket box. They are trying, right? They're trying with the Surface Duo, but, you know, you just don't have enough Windows phone users. Come on. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've got access to the uh, ChatGPTV. I've got uh, access to Dali 3. Uh, it'll integrate it out. Uh, it just works so well. Um, you know, you've seen how they're initially, before they, before they um, sort of uh, patched it, People were able to solve yeah, these uh, QR, <laughs> sorry, these um, check codes, right? As just by uploading it. Um, initially, when you try to upload a capture code, you go, oh, you know, no, we can't solve that. And then the other person was like, okay, I'll just put it on a, my grandmother's necklace and create a sob story that, oh, I just found my ne grandmother's necklace and I want to read it. I don't know what she inscribed on the necklace. And it was the actual capture code. <laughs> so it, was, it managed to jailbreak it through that process. So the AI is so good now that, no capture is going to be able to like, you know, be useful. Spam. Um, and so like it's, the spam's coming, but at the same time, you can just see so many use cases. You saw like back in March when they announced GPT-4, they had this functionality already planned out, you know, just drawing a little diagram of a website yeah. and, and also a tool that it comes out. But also what they did was um, uh, they determined that if you could load up an entire instruction set, say... Say if you just wanted to have uh, be my eyes, right? If you had the software right now, it's operating as you know remote workers can help disabled disable people see just by guiding them through audio. Well, now the AI will be able to guide those that have vision impairments just by outlining what is everything surrounding them. So the smart glasses will be the first use cases of that embedded on device, so that's privacy focused. You're not going to be going to the bathroom where it's going, oh, you're in the toilet. You know, you're, you're going to you know, either number one or number two. I don't know if that's a good classifier use case or not. But uh, the, I think OpenAI is going to have to come up with its own device. It's announced yeah, that it's going to be building this one out through SoftBank. So that SoftBank's going to be forking out a billion dollars for Sam and the team to, you know, come up with the hardware. And that way you're going to see a whole raft of smart devices coming online just to compete with this too. Um, so super exciting times. You, you actually jumped to one of our next, one of our subsequent stories and I was just scrolling oh, down to look, no, no, which is perfect because you, well, you perfectly did it. And I, I thought it was so interesting uh, that Johnny Ive and OpenAI uh, CEO, um, Sam Altman went to raise this yeah. capital. What, what I was thinking when I read the article is like, it, it's, it can't be hardware. And I just wonder if Johnny Ive is the right person. I, d I don't know uh, because yeah. for me, it's like, it fits more with what Musk is doing with Neuralink to yeah. truly get the effectiveness of generative AI, then it, I think it needs to be in some way beyond a hardware device and in, in, embedded into us biologically. And 
I, I don't think the next iPhone is going to be hardware unless it's hardware mm. that has some sort of, you know, the only one I can think of that works is maybe glasses, more likely uh, maybe contact lenses or, or an mm. insertion, um, a BMI of some, some sort. Yeah. The Ray-Bans are pretty, look pretty neat. Like it's all audio based, right? So what Google Glass got wrong was that they put this dorky thing on the top of the eye that everyone's called a glass hole. Yeah. But now it's just audio and it's so subtle that, you know, you can basically just let the AI understand what's around him and give you that almost like a, you know, it's like virtual reality, but for audio. And eventually the tech will get better. So you can have these see-through ones with the holographics embedded as a mixed reality headset that Quest 3 offers right now super well. Um, but that is the gateway to uh, EEG headsets, which is non-invasive BCIs. Um, so we're actually working on some at UTS right now. We're actually deciphering from an EEG brainwave, the actual patterns using a custom stable diffusion model to create the images and eventually the videos of your thoughts. Like yeah, this, is, this some, is where we're at I've right now. I've seen some, yeah. uh, some video footage of that, you know, via... Is it is it via an MRI style scan that can do it? Yeah, the functional MRI ones, but yeah, that's super bulky. You got to get in there. You got to get yeah. the white noise. Just have an the, MRI. Just in your be pocket. like, just put it in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. It's like an old Nokia. It's just like an old Nokia. It's the same size. Yeah, the, the devices of MRIs will get super super compact. They'll just come with the smart glasses eventually. But right now, the EEGs can use the AIs that are powering it to come up with some pretty useful stuff. We're going to be demoing this at South by Southwest Sydney at uh, the Collider and Tech Central. Um, so we'll have, we'll be under the New South Wales house and the company is called Dream Machine. That's where our incubated companies nice, and nice. commercializing UTS tech to actually visualize your thoughts and eventually making your dreams a reality. So I don't know like if I want to see my dreams. Listen, it goes sure on late private. at night. No one needs to see for Cam and me both. Isn't that right, Cam? <laughs> Well, my dreams are mostly about you, Steve. So it's uh, <laughs> it all fits in. Before I move on, before we move on too much, I want to point out that they also OpenAI also announced Dali three rolling out, uh, mm. the latest version of their image generator. And on their website, they say modern text to image systems have a tendency to ignore words or descriptions, forcing users to learn prompt engineering. Dali three represents a leap mm. forward in our ability to generate images that exactly adhere to the text you provide. And this is one of the things we've been saying on the show for the last couple of months is the whole prompt engineering thing is, a uh, is not going to last very long. Mm. Like it's, it's sort of uh, all these jobs that are being created for prompt engineers. Yeah. Yeah, where it's going to be passed over really quickly. And this is the first sign we're seeing of that, where these things are just going to develop a much better understanding of what it is you're trying to do. Now, if you don't like me, if you don't have the new chat GPT with all of these features built into it, you can test it out already because they're all in Bing already. Bing, Microsoft's browser, obviously they have a big investment in this. So if you go to Bing, Get the latest version of Bing. You can play around with Dali 3. I had a little play around with it yesterday. Have you guys tried Dali 3 yet? What do you think? How does it yeah. compare to Midjourney? It's super good. I mean, it's like a comic strip. You can create an entire comic strip, coloring books for your for your kids. Um, and it, the text comes out super well. well that's what's the power of it. Yeah. Steve, have you played with it? I haven't. I haven't played with it yet. I looked at uh, all huge of the images that, that it generated. It, what I, what was noticeable was that it seemed to shift closer to the type of imagery that you get through mid journey and, mm -hmm. and stable diffusion. 
because I, I thought that they were superior. Well, I, I, that was certainly more visually alluring, the type of things that they would develop. And it seems as mm. though it's kind of moved away from some of that cartoonish kind of stuff. I didn't think yeah. Ali was as good as the others. So mm. um, without playing with it, that's what it seems. Uh, yeah, Mid Journey is like, yeah, that's right. It's, it's super beautiful, Mid Journey, yeah, like really, 5.3. But then it's like, it sort of like keeps to that style. It, it right? does. It has a With, personality. Yeah. It, it's funny because right. Cam and I have been talking about the AI that if you have code, then you have nuance. If you have nuance, you have personality. And all of these yeah. AIs have personality, which I kind of yeah. like. It's I like, like AI it. agents, they're all personalities. Yeah, yeah right. And, and I think got... that we want that, right? Because you maybe yeah. want to. In the same way that social medias have personalities and brands have personalities. Yeah. I think that's yeah. interesting and good. And you, and you want right. that, those points of differentiation across the AIs. And you want to make your own personalities. That's what Stable Diffusion enables you, right? With SDXL, you can create your own yeah. Laura model. Yeah, that's right. And there's a whole marketplace for them, depending I on what style so. you prefer. And, and with the, you know, the AI studios that Meta's coming out with, you can do your own personalities as mm. well on the on AI agent side. Yeah, it bugs me. I like um, people. Well, my mother actually sent me an article, Joyce Maynard, a journal, uh, uh, an author, sorry, complaining about AI, reading her books, and you know, people, there's people having arguments with me about whether or not AI should be writing, and they're saying like, you know, the people have developed, spent lifetimes developing their own voice as writers, and AIs are just stealing that and it's plagiarism and it's copyright infringement. And I keep making the point, look, anyone, any writer or any artist, and look, this is coming from somebody who makes a living out of podcasts and films and books, right? Every creative artist has learnt by copying other creative artists. And then you gradually, if you're good at it, over time, develop your own voice and your own style. And AI already, you get GPT to write a story for you. It sounds like GPT. I mean, it's very easy to tell an article or a blog post or a story written by GPT. It's not, they're not very good in terms of, I don't know, idiosyncratically, unless you train it on your voice, whatever. They have a style. They are all going to have their own styles, exactly the same as humans have their own style. I just think that the artists that are complaining that AI is learning from them how to do stuff are just no different from Luddites complaining that knitting machines were going to replace them. I mean, yeah, look, if you earn a living out of creating stuff and you know that machines are going to all of a sudden be able to do that as well, that's a shock and it sucks for you, but this is... The Industrial Revolution has been going on for 250 years. This isn't a new story. It just affects you now. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, shit, now it's come up to my door. And in a, in a profession that most people didn't think computers would ever be able to do, certainly wouldn't be able to do in their lifetimes, it's a bit of a future shock, I think, for artists mm. suddenly being able to realize that computers can now do shit that they thought was purely in the domain of humans, but, uh, turns out yeah, you're not so special. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just asked for, um, I just did one now in Bing while I'm speaking of a prompt that I've done before a few times and it came out really badly. And this one came out quite good. I typed in an image of a man surfing in a wave pool in a cyber city from the future who is muscle bound and wearing board shorts. <laughs> and it, it was, was a look. Came, out, came out all right. And it's actually, and I said, and he's writing in a tube, I wrote as well. 
writing and well, it's actually not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Add some text, get them to say something. It's like Calabunga or something, you know, like uh, so I haven't tried that yet. The text thing, that's interesting. Yeah. The text is really powerful. But that's pretty good. Like it's super accurate. It's, pretty, props and it's a really yeah, big improvement. Um and, and look, and don't ask me why I've asked for that image more than once. Okay, let's just let's just let that slide. <laughs> we'll, but, we'll capture that in the dreams. It's all good. That's the why I'm the dream I'm not going to be available at any point in the future. Getting yeah. back to this argument about writers and artists, somebody was trying to argue with me on Facebook that only someone who doesn't care about human spirit or the human soul could say that, you know, machines writing stuff is the same as humans. And I keep saying, who the fuck do you think created the machines? It was the human yeah. spirit that created the machines that are creating exactly. the writing. This is the human spirit. Just because exactly. you might value the human spirit of a writer more than you value the human spirit of a software engineer doesn't mean that it's not the human Beautiful spirit camp. that's created AIs, right? But that we're just not right. used to thinking about Kevin Kelly. Wish... Kevin Kelly yeah. to say, I remember he did the first 5,000 days of the internet talk, which was mm -hmm. yeah. a, a long time ago now, maybe 15 years. And he, and he closed with, and what is the internet? The internet is us. Love it, hate it, whatever. It's, it's, I mean, it is a reflector and a director at the same time, but it's yeah. certainly not anything else. Mm -hmm. It's name certainly my, us. Just name of one of my it's albums a, that I put out years ago, Reflector or Director? Reflector and Director. Well, it's uh, it, actually, I'm quoting Michael Franti, Television, The Drug of the Nation. Oh, really? Is it the reflector <laughs> or the director? <laughs> yeah. Does it imitate hey, us or do we imitate Television. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Drug of the Nation. The Drug of the Nation. The Don Metronome. All right. Moving right along before Steve and I just go into early 90s hip hop. Suck <laughs> on Lex. Did you guys watch the Lex Friedman uh, interview with so in yeah. virtual reality. So, Fuck yeah, me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? Fuck did I eat my words when I saw that because <laughs> Jesus, he come along a ways and fucking cartoon floating face. Yeah, with the Paris. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Talk about curve jump. Yeah, exactly. This is how technology catches up with you, right? You know, you can always head down a tech before it's ready, but now it's sort of gone to the point where he, he announced the codex stuff. Like a while ago, right? Now they're aiming to make this codec avatar a lot more accessible. Right now it takes hours to do the full scan of the body for it mm. to get to that stage. Nine hours. The smartphone, nine hours. And then now they're going to try to get that into the smartphone and cloud mm. process it so everyone can have it. But how good was Lex's delivery in it, right? Did you see that mm. front front version, front mm. facial going? Mm. Uh, where am I? <laughs> Who am yeah, I? Was, yeah. Where are Lex, I really like Lex. <laughs> yeah, so I... Yeah. Awesome. I listened to the whole thing. I was at the dentist getting a, a crown replaced the other day and I had like an hour and a half in the chair. So I listened to the whole thing. I, I didn't watch it all, but I listened to it all. And the great, I mean, Lex it was blown away through the whole thing. First of all, by how realistic it was and what the experience was like. And after a while, he keeps saying he's blown away by the fact that he'd forgotten that it was, they were yeah. in virtual reality doing the interview. He goes, you know, it's just, it's become normalized for me already. Like I forget yeah. that you and I aren't sitting in the same room because it just seems so realistic. For people who haven't seen this, by the way, uh, Lex yeah. Friedman interviewed Zuckerberg in virtual reality with they both had hyper-realistic avatars. Again, it took nine hours to scan Lex's face in, but it's 
they're wearing the is it the Quest goggles? Uh, the, some the sort Pro, of Quest Pro. Yeah, it was like the version before Quest Three, before the announcement, right? Yeah, before the launch, sorry. Which is able to pick up their words, so their lips are moving in sync with their words, and their eyes and their expressions and the blinking and the crinkling of the eyes and the whole thing. It's able to recreate that in real time in the in the VR, but the rest of their bodies and their mannerisms, they'd spent nine hours scanning it in. But it's insane, insanely lifelike and realistic, even past Uncanny Valley for me. Like it was yeah. not Uncanny Valley-esque. It was, I, I had a hard time. Initially, tell is this really Lex or is it a VR Lex? Like I, I really struggled to tell. It was quite imperceptible. But some yeah. of the things I want to talk about. So some of the interesting ideas. First of all, I got to hand it to Zuck. Like his self awareness, um, his PR team have done a good job at prompting his self self awareness. Like he, him. he he's been yeah. reprogrammed. <laughs> he's been reprogrammed. He's been updated. Times. So <laughs> yeah. I think we know that. All things can be upgraded in software and the exponential exactly. curve of improvement of of the very first transhuman, Mark Zuckerberg, has been quite yeah. successful over the years. That's right. He makes jokes in it about how people say that he has no human expression. And no smile. And no yeah. smile. He talks about how he'll be able to tweak his avatar to actually show more human expression than he does in real life. <laughs> and then Lex makes a joke about how, you know, there's the two worst people in the world to demonstrate this because they're both monotonous people yeah. with no expressions. It was kind or, of, oh, they're perfect. the perfect people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But kind of some of the really interesting ideas that, that came out of this, one of the ones that really struck me was Zuck talking about in the next few years, you'll be sitting in a meeting he says by the end of the decade, 50% of the objects in a room that you see will be holograms, people or other objects. He talked about having a meeting where 50% of the people sitting around the table are holograms, and one of them is your AI engineer who has a human-like avatar. So imagine engaging with your AI in virtual reality that has a human, lifelike, indistinguishable avatar and personality voice look idiosyncrasies you can give it the person like they talk about having a snoop dog uh, uh avatar right or you know dungeon any, master <laughs> yeah you can have any avatar per, like and so the, the the um the the actors that are on strike trying to make sure that their likenesses are repurposed without their consent will be able to sell their likenesses or likenesses of characters that they've done. You can have a Walter White uh, AI assistant or, or or a Jesse Pinkman science yeah. bitch or Gus Fring or, or, or right. <laughs> Saul Goodman. Yeah. You well, know, it's cool because, I mean, you know, we talked about uh, a few a few episodes back, uh, bio APIs, and I think a lot of us will make money through selling our bio APIs and um, bio prints, whichever parts they are, whether it's our whole body or our voice or whatever, which is one of the reasons why personal branding and influencers can go to another level. But I do want to point out that I love how we've just revisited the past. And instead of just having Arnold Schwarzenegger on your voicemail, now you're going to have him <laughs> in your meeting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> 
How good is the timing with the Black Mirror episode? Jern is awful, eh? It's just like, yeah. <laughs> just as the Hollywood strikes that was, happen. That was genius, that episode. That uh, was Charlie. So Charlie is so fucking on the money with his Black Mirror episodes, <laughs> he is, right? He's, he, he really is insanely is amazing. good. Oh, what did he do before that? What when, I what think, was his first stuff? I think I think he's an AI. I really do. I think yeah, Charlie's he's actually an AI. AI. He's <laughs> good. Well, he was but a yeah, journalist. The Charlie's a journalist, and he was doing like he used to do. Still does, I think. Like yeah. the uh, New Year's Eve episodes of the year that was, making fun of all of the year news, and you know, Black Mirror sort of just plays on like, his thing as a journalist. Yeah, he is a fucking yeah. genius. He's great. Anyway, just going to bring a lighter version of how do people actually do something about this that's positive. Like you said, the actors should be actually monetizing their likeness as opposed to striking. There's nowhere to oh, fight they got that this. Back you know, that was upside down and exactly. pathetic. I heard. Do, right? It's uh, a the, last stretch, you know, desperation, right? Yeah. So the writers uh, apparently have gotten through their strike and... <laughs> But I believe, I haven't read it, but my sons who are sort of across it, one of them dates a girl who's an actress in LA, uh, follows this stuff pretty closely, was telling me that the writer's deal was that studios have agreed to tell them if they're using AI in the writing of a film or something that's what they managed to squeeze out from an ai side of things letting people like, know <laughs> yeah how long is it before the studios are just uh hiring hiring either ais directly or writers that are using ai yeah. well, writers that use ai will go further because i yeah. still think yeah. there's a place for prompting now i, I don't mm. mean prompt engineering to try and get it to say the thing you really want it to say i mean taking ideas the, the mm. database of your personal experience yeah. which is unique for every human on earth because i'm the only mm. person who's ever been in this room at this moment so that's part of my database how do i overlap those two things to create something nuanced and, yeah. and working with the ai is really the key so this whole right. ai versus us and the other thing they'll striking against the wrong person yeah Rob galloway that's had a really great outtake who's a sort of a marketing guy uh galloway and his outtake was they should be collaborating with all of the movie, film, TV, creative producing houses and going yeah. to big tech and saying, hey, congratulations, exactly. we're your newest customer. And what you've got to do is give us all the money, right. all that stuff that your AI is trained on. Congratulations. Exactly. It's what Reddit and Quora all did. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, see, seeing how they can do that now, it's, it's interesting. New formats are coming out, right? So the runway Gen 2 guys, they're going to Twitter right now, a tweet, an extreme, whatever you want to call it. It's like, you know, they're going to crowdsource all the different plot points to this new movie they're creating, purely AI generated. And it's going to be creating this new format. Remember those like choose your own adventure ones in the forums? That the yeah, 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 that was cool. That yeah. Now they're making it a reality and turning it into the visuals and the audio side as well. Eleven Labs is just so good now. Um, you know, like you said, with the avatars, plug that in, make your own voice. It's it, all the tech is there now with the codec avatars. So starving your own movie that's crowdsourced by everyone around them. That'll generate not only the clicks, but also licensing rights if you want to go to market with it. Yeah. It's okay. going to be a, a very brave new world. And all of these people trying to cling on to the remnants of the 20th century business models are just uh, going to find themselves sliding downhill. The, the only very, way to deal with this sort of stuff is embrace it. Yeah. This is one of the things, things that we see again and again. And of course, 
the example of Kodak, I want to point out some financials, which not many people spoke about, but everyone knew that we went to digital cameras, but what they didn't understand is that enabled all, all sorts of revenue streams around photography and the idea of sharing an image, right? And they thought their business was film instead of sharing an image. I'm not even talking about um, going to digital. I'm talking about data footprints, you know, metadata, the idea that you can train AIs if you have enough images and then you have some descriptions underneath it and social connection. The maximum market capitalization that Kodak had was 19 billion. Mm. Now, Facebook is, you know, a, a, a Kodak moment of sorts mm. with a whole lot of mm. other revenue streams and that's a $700 billion company. And, mm. and likewise, what are the new revenue streams that present themselves with artificial intelligence and acting and creativity? You know, and mm. the simple example we already gave is a bio API. Mm. Yeah, so we can fund the UBI right there. We don't need UBI. Just be a bio that's a API. That's no, a the bio API is your way of implementing the UBI. Right? Don't, yeah, don't yeah. get Steve started on UBIs, Peter. He goes a little bit. <laughs> Doesn't love the handout. No, He's no. Not... I, I just, it, yeah, let's do that another day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right along. Neuralink begins human testing. We've talked about yes. the fact that they had announced that they were going to do this a few months ago. They have announced that they are beginning human testing right now. And well, they I've hired been... the humans with the dead monkeys. <laughs> I read they the put dead them monkey in the same story. warehouse of dead hired as well. Yeah. Look, <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure there's truth to the dead monkey stuff, and Elon's obviously going to try and cover that up or PR spin it. And look, there are going to be risks. You know, I'm reading. As I mentioned, I think in our last episode, I've been reading Isaacson's biography on Elon. And also, if you haven't already heard it, um, Walter Isaacson's interview on Lex talking about Elon and Da Vinci and Steve Jobs and all the other people he's done biographies on. But, you know, in Elon, in the book on Elon, he talks about Elon's uh, philosophy towards building SpaceX and Tesla as you know, I think it's like move quickly and blow things up. You know, it's, uh, that's one of the things that Isaacson says that sets Elon apart from most corporations and NASA and places like that is he's willing to blow up rocket ships in the yeah. search for quick progress. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to blow a lot of these things. What do they call it? A rapid unscheduled disassembly or something oh, like that. I actually <laughs> really like that. I'm, I'm no Elon Musk lover, but are you, to really create something that takes us to a next level, it requires extraordinary risk, doesn't it? It really does. And, and failing yeah. it's easy to forget how many people died trying to make cars and aeroplanes and everything yeah. else that we take for granted now. And I'm not, the, the monkeys were dying anyway. I'm not, they I'm had like that, terminal cancer or something. That's you know? what he said. Well, yeah. Yeah. Look, and, yeah. and, and like Cam said, look, so long as someone else dies, it's fine. We don't, we don't mind yeah. at all. Look, I'm sure I the mean, people, at, yeah. the the people war, signing man. up for the human trials, uh, probably, I think in most cases, people who are quadriplegics yeah, or sure. suffering from some sort of motor neuron disease, they, they uh, I hope, are making a conscious decision. Yes, this is extremely risky, but, yeah. you know, I, I'm willing to you know, devote my life to science and progress and, and yeah. trying to find a solution for people in a similar sort of, like, hold it down, right? right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 3 p.m. your time or my time, Steve? Yeah. Fine, but I am loving this, by the way. I want to do this so with the three of us. This is, it's a <laughs> Yeah, it's good having so good. the third voice on. 
anyway, so uh, what are you guys got any other thoughts on the human testing for Neuralink? Yeah, no, I mean, um, so so what what Elon's doing, right? It's nothing new, but what he's going to bring to it is the whole manufacturing process, right? the gigafactory of Neuralinks. So, you know, you got like the BlackRock Neurotechs, you got the Aussies, the Synchrons that are doing here already, your precision. Um, the, the, these guys are already sort of getting to the stage where there's one guy that he'll walk again after being paralyzed at the age of you know, 20s, right? He's using these brain and spinal implants to walk again. So this stuff is creating miracles. And of course, people that want that quality of life is going to take any of these chances to bring that back, if, as long as it's a probable chance and not something that's like, completely out in the dark. And this is going to bring about a whole raft of breakthroughs for these disabilities. Once these disabilities, we can turn them into super abilities. That's when the cash is in. All right. This is what we go. Meta's going to get in. Google's going to get in. I think, I think this is like, you know, talking about the AIs pivoting towards hardware so that they can own, have their own privacy centric, right? Platforms, just like Apple has created. This is how we actually going to see this yeah. whole immersion. I like that. Yeah, bridging that whole mind to the AIs. That, this is very transhuman. It's funny. I really like you've said that, Peter, because all of the pieces that have written about this, no one is really talking about the depth of the manufacturing requirement to make a lot of these yeah. things happen. It's always sort of the underbelly of everything that's forgotten in the software world is that there's a hardware reality of manufacturing. I always find it funny in any movie from the future, it's like, where is all this stuff made? Like, there's no evidence yeah. of any factories anywhere. You know, even when you're watching the matrix, like, but where did they make the Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, let's, let's, where, where is that manufactured? <laughs> yeah. Morpheus made it in his backyard. Of course he did. Of course he did. It was yeah, generative, it was generative manufacturing, which, which we will get to eventually a molecular manufacturing. I, I, I think yeah. I like that. The only thing that came up on my view on this Musk thing is that it feels like there needs to be an overlap with that and Johnny Ive and mm. uh, yeah, the investment in what is the interface. I think I already mentioned that. And, and, and again, I don't think it's a clunky piece of hardware. But it's going to be a progression, right? The, the iPhone of yeah. AI that Johnny Ive and uh, Sam Altman are working on, backed by Masayoshi Son, SoftBank CEO, who, by the way, has also come out and said he reckons we'll have AGI within 10 years. Uh, already that, that'll be in, We've already got it. That'll oh, be yeah. an <laughs> intermediate device. Like the iPhone of AI will be a phone. That's kind of interesting to see what happens to Apple's share price. But, you know, it's a, a phone or a device that will be built from the ground up based on the utilization of AI. That, that'll be a stepping stone, I think, to the Neuralink. And, and the point I wanted to make about the Neuralink is that you know, Musk has been very clear in saying that his end goal with Neuralink is human AI interface. So it's built in. So that's, you know, love him or hate him, like as no, Isaacson points that. out, love him yeah. or hate him, he is <laughs> taking on the, the big missions, get sure. humans to Mars, human AI integration, you know, uh, sustainable energy, and safe AI is his other big mission. You know, you know, it's AI that's going to be good that... for humanity and not bad for humanity. Mm. Like the guys biting off the big, <laughs> the big missions. And you, you know, you got to be a little bit of a psychopath to do that and believe you're capable of that, uh, which he apparently is. <laughs> now, look, guys, a great book. Yeah, great book. Yeah, it's great book. Uh, we're an hour in, and I know that we've few of us have got hard stops. So I got to go pick my wife up from the airport. 
Um, we've got you've both got the run shit, run shit, the run sheet <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> I told you not to tell anyone, Cameron. Um, I'll I'll shut up for a minute. Both of you pick one thing, or it does, even if it's not on there, Peter, if you want to do one more thing to talk about, so we can tie this one off. Well, I'll go while Pete has a think. Uh, for me, yeah. interesting was the ad ad free Instagram and Facebook, which is going to be happening in Europe. Uh, it's part of the response to EU laws about privacy and also Apple closing down certain elements, which have affected the advertising effectiveness. I think that's really interesting because I think that part of the original sin of the internet was things being free and not having a little way to have microtransactions in browsers, that, that type of thing. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how it takes off. I don't think it will. I don't think many people will pay for it. Uh, but there is an interesting viewpoint in the attention economy, how the wealthy who can afford to buy away, uh, advertising and free up their own attention, get a further advantage where they get access to more knowledge and information and entertainment. So it's kind of the same patterns again and again. I just thought that was interesting. And I don't think it's $145 a month as you put in the notes. I think it's a year. It's meant to be. $14 a month. There you go. 14. There you go. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, you know what? uh, No one would have known that. I didn't say $145 a month. (laughs) I was pointing it out in case it was on the run. That wide. Wanted to make sure you didn't think it was a hundred. I looked at your yeah. note and I went, Don't you worry about what I thought. Don't you worry. You worry about what the list is here. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I'll just I'll just keep on going with the run shit. This is that the first uh, <laughs> world's first drug to regrowth. See, look, that's so many AI discoveries are gonna come from, you know, this sort of scientific field and for the betterment of our healthy longevity. Like this gonna. This is just the beginning. You saw the mRNA guys just won the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Um, there's going to be AI drug discoveries happening through our colleagues at in Silico Medicine. They're based in Hong Kong and Dubai. They caught up with the a new drug using the same technology as AlphaFold that uh, the DeepMind guys came up with to do new drugs that are now in phase two clinical trials. And mm. so you know the the sort of bottleneck the big pharma had faced doing these manual different trials of different drug combination, different molecule combinations. Um, this is a way to actually prioritize and help them mitigate uh, and triage that entire process. And so we're going to see this like hit the shelves. I'm just hoping that we'll, it'll be part of this generation that's still alive. We don't want to be the last generation to die, right? So hopefully AI can help yeah, prevent that. But also we don't want to, to go like all ape and uh, take us out as, a, as an ant colony. So we've got to find the right balance. I think open sourcing, what we were saying before, <laughs> applying it to the fields that we want to is probably the best to go forward on that. Um, but yeah, just some thoughts on the on that particular T3 growth right there. Yeah, just for people who haven't heard that story, it's a Japanese pharmaceutical startup that have just begun clinical trials. Oh, no, they're going to begin them next year, human clinical trials, based on work that they've already done to grow new teeth in mice, they're going to start doing it on humans. Uh, And, you know, as you say, this is just the beginning of us being able to have micro control over our bodies over the next 10 years. Just we're going to have story after story after story of our ability. We we talked about Alpha Mazen's uh, last show or the one before that based on AlphaFold. 
the ability to identify genetic variants that cause disease. We'll then be able to build specific drugs. We'll be able to use CRISPR. We're going to just be able to affect our bodies on a, on a molecular basis like we've never been able to do before. It's going to have massive impact to life extension, healthy life extension, healthy lifespans, et cetera. The last thing I wanted to talk about, and we can wrap it up, guys, is again, this sort of comes out of the Musk thing on Lex, is this idea of building an, your own digital assistant AI version of you. Like he was talking about uh, Lex having a big community, but there's only so many hours in a day that he can interact with his community. If you could have your own AI that was trained on you, how you think, what your values are, that could interact with your community for you, and then just relay to you, oh, I had this really interesting conversation with Steve and Peter. You know, this isn't actually me doing the podcast. This is my AI, and it'll tell me, hey, there's a to-do item or something you might want to think about feeding it back to you. This idea of building AIs in the not-too-distant future trained on you, how you think, what your values are, what your morals are, what your goals and objectives and dreams are, and then it can go out into the world the digital world initially, and maybe even eventually the physical world, and do things that you would previously have had to do. You can send it off to do your shopping. You can send it off to do research for you. It can interact with family members or friends, or it can represent you. It's your parents. Yeah, the in-laws. Yeah, it can represent you in the world. Now, it reminds me there was a... There's a Michael Keaton film, I think, years ago. Duplicity, yeah. Duplicity, that's it. Where he was like cloning himself and each clone was dumber than the last one. But at the same sort of idea, right? The idea that you can replicate yourself. And that's something I hadn't really thought much about before this interview is the idea of building digital replicas of yourself that can mm. go out and act as if you would act in the world, uh, just scaling up your ability to get things done. You say there's only 24 hours in a day, but if there are, if you have a, a hundred digital versions of yourself, imagine what you can get done in a day. It's kind of interesting how, you know, cells multiply is really a form of cancer. What, what if we start multiplying and then you add this idea of a neural link. If you have a neural link, you can have a facsimile of you where the two interchange with each other in real time. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it doesn't represent or replicate you. It is you just is you. embodied in a different form in real time. And then you have a multitude of yous going out. How many, how many, yeah. people, yes. I mean, then you become, you have this whole population crisis as well. And oh, yeah. he's so greedy. He's got 36 of him out there. I've only got three of me. How can I possibly <laughs> compete with 36 cams? You know, like <laughs> 426 books in the last three months. What's going on? <laughs> Gonna put a cap on it, right? It's all it's like an altered carbon where they had to, you know, cap out on how many people had multiple stacks out there, right? Also sleeves. Right. You can have one stack but one sleeve, and some people were double stacking to try to get around it. Yeah. But we're getting multiple versions. And then I wrote and in I wrote in, in today's blog that I put out each Friday that everyone should sign up to at stevesamatenow.com. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Anyway, so what I wrote about today was the idea that we're gonna have posthumous AIs where uh, I mean, that's th already been created with uh, a dad bot, you know, seven years ago, James Vlahos did it and there was a story in Wired. Mm. 
But the idea that we could probably put your personality into a chat GPT and get a video likeness and have a Zoom call with, you know, a dead loved relative. But imagine like our children who've only known the world with smartphones where everything essentially is recorded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could create that now. But then with the neural link, you could just download your life after you die. Yeah. But then do you die? Maybe it, the physical embodiness exactly. of you dies, but the mindset of you lives in, in yeah. another, uh, it's seeking up your backup copy. Yeah. Right. Pretty much having I mean, a, that, you know, so then we start time steps, into this. Right? you just lost that previous time step, right. Version, right? You're covering back an older version. So that it's, um, the roadmap is there. Well, but, but, but not only the roadmap, there's a multitude of mm. permutations of this. There, yeah. Do you have the time step of a person who just lives on zoom and you talk to that person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does the person live in a transhuman soft robotic Hanson robotics type yeah or, or yeah. Hiroshi Ishiguro who makes robots of himself and you have yeah, that like, right. so then you get all of these various permutations of exactly mm. why you're here Peter is transhumanism they're all going to happen right and it's what we want as a society or if we can do anything about it and I'm just saying the roadmap is there to, to have to, to get that to the fork in the road so there's a company called Rewind, right? So it's amazing software that you can put onto your Mac that you can just record everything that's on the screen, right? Privacy-centric, hopefully. And they're coming up with I'm the likely. hardware. <laughs> coming up with the hardware. I can't have that. As, I, as much as I want that, I can't have my screen being right. that all the time because there are You can install on the iPhone, but only on your public tabs, not your private tabs, unfortunately. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so they're coming out with the hardware as well. So that's their journey into what OpenAI will go through as well. And all the other big tech companies already have in our smartwatches and the smartphones and, and the AirPods and the Google. Yeah, so the, the, the big tech companies are already there. And so the Neuralink, like you say, is going to bring that real-time element to it. Mm -hmm. And once you have that disconnection, once you go offline and you have a different version of you elsewhere, you're going to have to find a way to sync back up, right? Trying to try to merge and those pull requests and find a way to remove any of those conflicts, right? It's like, what are your identity issues? And I think Westworld painted out this potential future, right? So Dolores, the main character in Westworld, created multiple copies of her because she was, she thinks that she was the best person to do the job. If you're going to do something, do it yourself. She created like five versions of herself, same copy at the time, but she put it into Charlotte Hale right? Who had a kid and went through an entire different life journey. You, yeah. So there was de her coherence and in the whole quantum mechanics well, you, kind well, of a view. Then you get. And they started whole, fighting each other. Right? Get that quantum reality of different timelines sort of happening in real time because we yeah. build different versions of it. It starts to get really metaphysical and weird and interesting, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, they say that intelligence is compression. And if all of space and time and this whole sort of our understanding of the universe is just compressing that intelligence here, they're just going through the natural parts of the natural evolution of the universe. So, uh, yeah, very metaphysical, lots to talk about in the next session, I'm sure. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's going to force us to think about questions of identity, which, you mm. know, Steve knows I've been talking about and thinking about for decades. I've written books about it, but. This is going to force a lot of us, I think, to think about the question of who am I, what am I, and what does identity mean? But with that, I think we should we should wrap it up, guys. Peter, thanks again for coming on. It was really great having you on Pleasure. to chat. Uh, again, people can look you up on Twitter, LinkedIn, Peter Zing, transhuman. Is it transhuman.com.au? Transhumanism? Yeah. Yeah, All of those. both of them work. Yeah. <laughs> 
all the transhuman <laughs> URLs he uh, he owns. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, it's going to be an exciting year, and I hope you'll come back on from time to time and chat with us, Pete, because it's a lot of fun having another voice on. No, good Pete. Awesome I just pleasure. loved you. The reason Steve and I started Thanks, this is, <laughs> you know, Steve and I would just have, you know, chats. We'd just call each other up once every six months and just talk about this sort of stuff and get all excited. And we thought, you know what, we should do it more often. So the podcast is just an excuse for me to have someone who's excited like I am about this stuff to talk to. Because most of the people in my life just think I'm crazy getting excited about it, which has always been. That's why I started podcasting in the Your first place thing. was because. No one gave a shit about all the stuff I was excited about. I had to find an audience. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Steve. Thank you have so a great much, week, guys. Soon. We'll have some Pete beer and pizza at the next one. Eh? That's it. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> beer and pizza. There you guys. See ya. See ya. Thanks.